Hello, everyone. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. It's Tuesday, May 16th, and I thought since we don't have prophecy night tonight, I would uh, give you the privilege of listening in on a conversation that I have with a, a good friend and colleague, uh, Mondo Gonzalez. He needs no introduction. Most of you know him from uh, Prophecy Watchers, and uh, he has agreed to, to come on our show today and just uh, address some questions that might be emanating from our discussion last Tuesday of UFOs, UAP, and uh, other paranormal type activity. So definitely got a lot of emails and uh, questions from folks. And so I just want to kind of pick his brain a bit as we sit here through the lens of scripture and try to explain some of these uh, crazy things that are going on in the realm of ufology. So Mondo, welcome. JB, uh, great to be here. Great to talk to you. Uh, very uh, exciting topic, which also I think uh, begs a lot of questions. Uh, it, sometimes it brings more questions than answers, but it's worth us thinking about it. We have to be ready because we know it's out there, right? The, the, these are the discussions that the, un, that the unbelievers, even some Christians, are now beginning to ponder, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, what we're trying to do is take uh, anecdotal evidence, eyewitness accounts, and of course, in the case of UFOs, decades of well-documented, well-researched by you know PhDs, military brass, the government, and so forth, a worth of evidence and sort of try to understand it from a biblical theological standpoint. One of the things I love about, uh, you know, the way your mind works as I've read your stuff and we've talked many times on, on different topics is that uh, you take kind of the same approach I do in the sense of obviously if, if something, if an interpretation or a speculation contradicts scripture, we can rule it out because we, you know, we must interpret experience through the lens of Scripture, not Scripture through the lens of experience. We get that. That's a fundamental hermeneutical mm -hmm. rule. But at the same time, you know, you do have to wrestle with these realities. So in my Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 2 book, I have a whole chapter on UFOs and UAPs. Last Tuesday at Prophecy Night, we did 90 minutes worth of presentation on that with some up-to-the-minute types of uh, information. It's funny to watch the uh, evolution of ever since the New York Times article in 2017 that kind of put all of this on the front burner. Uh, you know, the government has really been, you know, frantically trying to make sense of it with some congressional hearings, some special uh, task forces and groups. One of the things I thought was interesting, uh, I'm not sure if you've uh, been keeping up with this, but you know, UFOs was the term of choice. Then with the UAP task force, it became unidentified aerial phenomena. But just recently, they've now changed that to unidentified anomalous phenomena, changing the A, because their target is now not just aerial stuff, but submerged in the sea, land, air, and all of that. So here's the question that I really wanted to, uh, to get to. I'll get right to it because I want to respect your time. But in the book, I talk about eyewitness accounts of actual what, of course, the mainstream narrative considers aliens, we, let's just call them beings, uh, that have been, you know, bodies of beings that allegedly have crashed in a, in a physical crash and are now being held at different places, whether that's Area 51, Wright-Patterson, you know, underground base at Dulce, places like that. Uh, and there's some pretty weighty evidence to that. Like you said, people that we respect, people that we trust, uh, eyewitnesses. I even talk in the book about uh, anecdotal evidence of former U.S. presidents that have allegedly seen some of this. So let's just say for the sake of argument that those accounts are real. And by the way, there are a lot of them. So this isn't just, you know, some fringe statement somewhere. There's a lot of data. But let's just start from the premise for the sake of this discussion 
that whatever these things are, they really are exist. They're not a they're, they're not a hoax. Where what category would we put those in in terms of evil spirits? Because uh, or you know demons, fallen angels, you name it. Because it, my whole premise, and I know yours too, is that these are not necessarily beings from other planets, Martians. They're d- dimensional. They're demonic. Yeah. Um, and that's easy. I say easy. Once you kind of study your demonology and angelology and so forth, it's fairly easy theologically to get your hand around that, that, that pictures, you know, visions of things happening are manifestations of the evil spiritual realm. But when you start talking about physical bodies trapped within time, space, and matter or physical material you know there's all kinds of evidence of spaceships as they uh, they call them crashing and you have this not of this world type of physical materials when you start talking about that where does that fit into the to the whole big you know ufo picture so uh let, let, let me step back for a minute because the the Bible does not tell us, and people will go back, and I think they're just, if they want to be dogmatic about it, it's, it gets unfortunate. Um, could there be other beings in, in other parts of the universe? Sure. The Bible doesn't give us all the answers. We don't know that either way. The Bible doesn't comment on it. Um, in Psalm, I believe it's 116, uh, 15, uh, talks about that God has given the earth to humanity. So I'm not saying that there's other humans anywhere. It's either Psalm 116.15 or 115.16. Sometimes I forget it. But the earth is, is for humanity. So I don't think there's humans anywhere. But could there be other creations? Sure. The, the, again, the Bible is relatively silent on it. Whether they're good or evil, we don't know. That All we know is this. Jesus died for humanity on earth for humans. They're the only ones that can be redeemed. Angels can't be redeemed. So let's start there. So that, that we're starting from a position of relative silence, which is okay. I mean, so could it be that they're, the, the, the grays, as they're often called, these are the th- three to four foot beings with uh, bulbous black eyes, uh, big heads, kind of elongated heads in many ways. Uh, could they be from some other uh, solar system? I guess. I don't know. I mean, who knows? But what we do know is that these are... They are real, uh, they are physical, based on, as you mentioned, anecdotal evidence. There's, uh, you think about John Mack or Bud Hopkins or uh, Jacobson. They're, they write these books about, for example, alien abduction. And thousands and thousands, I mean, these are PhD people, Harvard and other places. These aren't some crackpots. Uh, they're getting uh, public funding. And they talk about the nature of, let's say, abductions, which are typically done by these greys. Uh, so when the greys show up, uh, they, they speak telepathically. Uh, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're good by any means. These are evil beings because they're, they're, they're taking people, according to the evidence, um, which, again, is totally uh, documented and, I would say, incontrovertible. But these beings are showing up. They're very docile. Uh, I think they're, they're very mechanical. They're very robotic um, they're very unfeeling. There's no record of like them having mouths where they're eating or other things. So if you have that story, uh, which again is documented in some of the, you think, well, what do we do with the Bible? How do we say it? Well, the typical Christian, I think, uh, blase answer is, oh, those are demons. Well, okay. I mean, that's, that's possible. Uh, I tend to reject that view. Because when we look at angelology or, or, or demonology from, from what I see in Scripture, 
is certainly fallen angels, according to Genesis 6, can take on a corporeal nature. Uh, we see not just fallen angels, but good angels. Genesis 19, the two angels show up to rescue Lot. Uh, we can en entertain angels unaware, uh, Hebrews 13, 2. So they can show up in physical form. However, I don't see any evidence anywhere in Scripture that demons can take on physical form because according to what my frame of reference would be, that the demons are the hybrid offspring of the fallen angels who are dad. They're dad. They come down with a, with a human mother who is physical. They've taken on physical. They've had a physical act, and they produce a physical child, uh, which grows up to be a giant. Then when they die, wherever, whether it's David and Goliath or in the flood, their spirit roams, so their body's gone. And that's why they seek to uh, indwell into a some sort, whether it's a pig in the Gospels or a human so just to throw the label on these greys as being demonic, you'd say, well, okay, some people I've heard say, well, the, the greys are just biological suits, and uh, they're created somewhere, again, whether it's the military, uh, that would be a non-supernatural view, that the, the military is creating these biological suits. And, but that doesn't fly either, because uh, it seems that the military is having problems, as we're talking about, with, with these greys. So... Again, what do we know? I, I'm not saying I know all the answers, but when I'm looking at it scripturally, I see this gray who doesn't act like a demon. So even if a demon was to, to uh, indwell that body suit, that physical body, they're not acting uh, in the sense of the way that you'd normally see them in scripture. Again, very docile and mechanical. So what you do see as well, let me just step back, is uh, who this group is, the grays, I'm not sure. But what we do know is that they are part of the abduction ceremony or the abduction phenomena, which means they're going and they're, they're not only just women, they're abducting men. And almost always, it's almost universal that according to the, the stories, these PhDs that are documented, it's always um, surgery or something reproductive. Mm -hmm. They're taking the, the, the semen, they're taking the eggs. And then what this is well known too, the government has admitted this in a, in a document that just came out in April of last year that when they have observed and um, researched these abduction phenomena or even um, uh, sightings, that you have uh, unaccounted for pregnancies, you have burns. These are physical burns. Uh, the, 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 these physical phenomena. Radiation. Radiation. So this is the government's admitted this. So are these grays then, and this is what it comes back to, are they coming down and taking the, the, the human physical genetics and creating what Jacobson's book, he's called, he, he calls them hubrids, uh, walking among us, where they've gone away and they've taken this and then com combined it with some sort of other physical source where the woman then becomes pregnant. Again, this is, in the, this is in the government documents, where she's pregnant for a few months and then all of a sudden she's not pregnant anymore. So this is, so, so to me, when I see the physical bodies now, like Roswell, that they're, they're getting... Uh, autopsies or others that's to me that's not dem demons now it, it might demonic be demonic in the sense of being evil because i think it is certainly wicked especially if you talk to these people uh, they've been it's traumatic but somehow there's a physical dimension okay so let's just say that um what's the biblical answer not quite sure uh could these fallen angels uh, 
portray themselves as a three-foot guy. Maybe. That doesn't seem very attractive. And then they're coming and, and taking some of this and doing their own genetic modification, which seems to be certainly what they were doing in Genesis 6. They were creating a genetic modification using humans uh, to create something. Um, so you have that. But let, let's, let's take a step back for a moment as well, that the other thing that the government has admitted People can look this up. July 2020, uh, there's a Fox News article where they talk about um, pieces of, 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 of UFOs, these physical um, pieces of flying saucers from off of this world. Those are physical things. Well, the question is, it, it's metal. It, it's it's uh, very well known. Where's that coming from? Where's that being mined from? Uh, it's not, you can't just throw a demon uh, label on a physical object. It the question is, this is where you go, I, I don't really know. Is it being mined from on the earth? Is it being mined from in the earth? Uh, do they have some sort? We know that the fallen angels, according at least to the book of Enoch, which we know is not scripture, provided understanding into metallurgy and other technology. Uh, when we look at some of the technology, this is getting a little broader, of the megalithic structures of ancient times, uh, it's very consistent that the fallen angels at least taught some level of technological advancement. Could that include biological advancement? The answer would be yes. So at the end of the day, it brings up uh, more questions than answers. Um, what does the Bible say specifically about fallen angel technology? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So um, we're talking with Mondo Gonzalez from Prophecy Watchers. Uh, if you don't uh, subscribe to their uh, newsletters and their magazine and stuff, you are really missing out, prophecywatchers.com. But uh, let me just sort of summarize a little bit of what you've said from the perspective of, you know, my teaching and mm -hmm. not my works. Just as folks that have been following our Prophecy Night series that has been going on now for three or four months on Tuesday nights in the Denver metro area know that I've been pretty open about how I'm, I'm really sort of doing my best to rethink and fine-tune and refine my understanding of angelology. I was, was one of those that kind of held the traditional view that basically there's just evil spirits and they're all de called demons and that's that class. But I, as I really dig into the scripture and try to be honest in taking the scriptures in its plain normal sense, I begin, I'm beginning to see there could be some other options there that are b biblically viable. So Mondo's view and the view that I've you know, talked about recently is essentially you've got Satan, who's a cherub and in a class by himself. Then you've got fallen angels, which were the one-third of the angels that fell. Uh, then you've got the Nephilim, which I've talked about extensively, which were the offspring of the intrusion of fallen angels cohabiting with human women, resulting in this hybrid race. And then uh, demons then, which don't really show up in, in, by that term until the New Testament, are the disembodied spirits of these Nephilim that have died along the way. Is that yeah. just a good summary? Yep. Okay, so I think that's very possible. So basically, some people say fallen angels. Uh, everybody agrees there are fallen angels and Nephilim. The question is, are demons just another name for fallen angels, mm -hmm. or are they another name for you know dead Nephilim? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, either way, I've kind of, for now, as I'm working through this, just re they're all bad guys. Yeah, they're all, the options they're all out there. Yep. You know, evil spirits, and, and so that, that's kind of where we're coming from. So would you say, based on your sort of summary of the options, which I thought was excellent, by the way, um, there's nothing biblically that would refute the existence of these 
bodies of grays or physical material from potential spaceships. Yeah, I 100% agree with that because the the fa you know facts are facts, and so the oftentimes what what happens and and you see this going back to the Brookings Institute where they. The, the the government has lied about this, and, and there was a recent discovery be, or survey because they were worried, we can't talk about uh, other world creatures because it's going to ruin, it's going to destroy the faith of people. And that was back, you know, in the 50s and 60s. And so, but now, heck, with all of the, the latest Marvel movies and Independence Day, all the way to Hollywood, um, the average Americans going to be like, ah, we knew it. We knew it. We knew it. There's not going to be this upending of the entire culture because we're not very Christian anymore anyway. But I think even that, back then, you had this very um, narrow view within, dogmatic view within theology that um, this is the way it is. We're, we're the only special creation. There could be nothing else out there. And therefore, like now, if, if a craft showed up out of the sky that was physical and we could go up there and knock on it, would all of a sudden I give up following Jesus? All my, my whole paradigm, my whole biblical paradigm is ruined? No, not at all. There's nothing in the biblical paradigm that would preclude something else being out there and even being physical. So that, that's the most important thing. Now, we don't just turn and say, okay, in the Bible, it tells us what those are. We would still have to ask the question, what, what I've said, kind of tongue-in-cheek, is if there was, if they showed up in my front yard and I went out there, I'd go knock on the door. And they opened up, and I would say, I have one question for you. Is Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Son of God, and salvation is only found through him? Yes or no? Don't spin me. This is the question. Based on their answer is what I would decide, testing the spirits, what their motive was or where they came from or who maybe they were in allegiance with. That's great the ultimate point. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great point. So let's go back to uh, the, the uh, abductions. So I talk about that in my book, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. Folks can check that out at spiritoftheantichrist.org. But Chapter 9 and 10 deal with this. And I have an, an interview in there of a guy who I'd love for you to meet sometime, uh, fascinating individual. He goes by the name Paul Miller. That's not his real name, but he asked me to use a fake name mm -hmm. in the book. But he is a, uh, an abductee. And he, at, the, at a young age, I think it was the age of nine, uh, was abducted. And then for the next 46 years uh, or so, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact dates, but it's all documented in the book. I think it was 46 years. He was essentially an agent or a tool of this, the dark side. And he has some fascinating stories, even more that are not in the book that we continue to talk about that may make their way into another book. We talk fairly often. But, you know, there's no question that something's going on with these abductions. Uh, again, I remember hearing an interview with John Mack years yeah. ago before he died, and uh, just fascinating stuff. Um, the question is, how do we interpret it? Now, I'm sure you're familiar with the Gary Bates documentary, Alien Intrusion. I differ with him on his final conclusion in the sense that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure he basically is, is suggesting that it's all psychological, right, that it's just these people are making their their mind playing games with them yeah or it may be demonic uh influence or demonic teachings and visions or whatever else yeah but they don't he doesn't believe that there's any physical departure mm -hmm. you know i believe there is there's lost yep. time yep. Uh, and certainly paul miller's case so that was the case uh, and so many others betty and barney hill exactly you, know, you go on and on so um i i think you're on to something trying to fit this into the biblical paradigm uh or at least make sure that it do, the scripture doesn't contradict it with satan's mo of trying to mess with the human genome trying to create 
uh, a, a sort of a, a hindrance to the messianic line. And not only that, but something that I've thought recently, I'd love to get your take on this. You know, Satan, in terms of his army, uh, angels, there's a finite number of, right? Only they don't procreate. They can't create more angels. Mm-hmm. One third of them fell. A certain number of those are locked up permanently until the lake of fire in Tartara. So he's already starting with less than a third of the total angelic realm. Okay. Um, and then in terms of the human realm, obviously there's just, uh, you know, two, uh, two sides, two options, if you will. Uh, you've got a child of God or a child of wrath, a yep. child of God or a child of Satan. Unbelievers are children of wrath. Believers are children of God. Once you become a believer, you can't ever go back. Yep. You know, eternal security. You're adopted into the family of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and so on. So how is Satan going to increase his armies in preparation for the Battle of Armageddon and the final cosmic, you know, head-to-head? The only way for him to—he can only lose— human members of his army if people get saved his numbers go down they'll never go back up so how does he increase his army well i think part of it is through this concept of the nephilim and these intrusions um do you think when nephilim uh procreate either with another human full human or another nephilim Mm -hmm. right uh do you think that um you know, they, they can do that, first of all? Uh, that's a great question. There's no, as far as we know, there's no record of any women Nephilim. That doesn't mean there isn't. There's just no record of it. Okay, right? so let's say, can a Nephilim, let's, I, I agree, and certainly angels, that's true. Um, but, uh, so in other words, the intrusion that, that Genesis 6 talks about, Jude talks about, Peter talks about, was fallen angels, which are all male, we know that, having... Uh, sex with human women and their offspring, the Nephilim, were only male? That seems to be well, the case. Well, it's, it's kind of an argument from silence. We don't know. What we do know uh, is that in uh, the book of Samuel, as an example, um, it talks about the, the sons of Anak, right, mm-hmm. uh, he, from Hebron. And uh, so he's got children. So here, here's a guy that is a giant, or the Anakim the, in Numbers 1333, uh, the Nephilim are associated with the Anakim, or really, I would say the Nephilim, Nephilim and Rephaim are like the broadest uh, label of, they're, they're almost synonyms, but then later you have all these other tribes that originate somehow from them, uh, them being maybe the progenitors. And they would all be male? Uh, that, that, that's we, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Um, what we do know is later that you have the children of the Anakim, and they were like the four sons of Anak. So somehow he's mating with somebody. So is he then taking on another human a woman, where this Nephilim, this giant, is taking on a human woman, and then uh, his his offspring are now continued? It's that would seem to be the case. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying there isn't any women Nephilim. We just don't have any evidence of that. In All right. Scripture. So let's let's assume then, for the sake of argument, let's go with that. Let's assume that. You know the Nephilim are all male, so but those Nephilim could cohabit with human women just as the fallen angels did. Yeah. All right, so now you know fast forward four thousand years to modern day, the the descendants of Nephilim, or at least that have some Nephilim blood in them, because mm-hmm. the, you know obviously over time it lessens. Mm-hmm. They're not human, right? In your mind? I mean, they're not redeemable well, humans because they're not fully human? See, I guess that, that would be the question is, um, has, a, has a Nephilim gene uh, been maintained down through? 
And I, I, you know, I, I, I just, hey, if we know, we know. If we don't, we don't. Uh, in, my, in my theory, based on the scripture, you have the sons of Anak. So that means there's children. There's children. Now, were they considered non-humans? Um, the Bible doesn't say we know that many of them are valid, but we also know that they fled. Many of them fled. Joshua 11 says that. So when they did flee, are all the children then, how, how, much, how much dilution of the genetic material is, is required before they are not considered human? Well, so my view on that would be that, you know, any Nephilim genetics makes them, genetics makes them non-human. By yeah. definition, mm-hmm. humanity is fully human. Yeah, agreed. So, yep. so um, and by the way, Nephilim technically is only mentioned twice, only right? twice. Genesis 6, Numbers 13, but you mentioned the Rephaim and then the Anakel or whatever. And there's so, Zamzumim, there's Emim, Deuteronomy 2 and 3, there's all these other Eims. Which seem to be, uh, and of course in Hebrew, Eim is just the pluralization, yeah, yep. right? So, you know, Anox, you might say in English. Yeah, right? Anok and then Anakim are the plural, right, right. There's the, the Anox, if you want right. to say it in English. But what, what what's very important for people to know, if they look at this, is... Uh, we understand what, what we'd call diachronic understanding of linguistics. So the if you look at the word Rephaim, uh, just diachronically, through time. Okay, through time. Through, through, yeah. If you look in the first five books of Moses, uh, the Pentateuch, Rephaim is always and only used of this physical physical giant. Okay, uh, It first appears in Genesis 14. The, the, the kings are coming down and they capture Lot. They, they're going through the land of the Rephaim, which is the land of Bashan, east of the basically Sea of Galilee today. However, when you get to the rest of the Bible, especially in the book of Isaiah, the Rephaim, the word is used of these spirits in the underworld, <laughs> which is so consistent with the idea of that these physical Nephilim who die, their spirits, they're still called Rephaim, but now there's wandering spirits, these demonic spirits. So if, if you had a biblical evidence of them becoming demonic, that would be the linguistic evidence I would see and understanding what the Rephaim is used very specifically in that time versus later. That's why there's so confusion. They're, oh, it's the realm of the dead. Well, if you understand that diachronic difference, you go, ah, now I can see why the Bible uses it in that way later because, and then it would include both. It's very confusing if you don't understand that distinction. So that being the case, uh, the other Eames, the other uh, tribes of the, the Anakim, Zemzim, I mean, all of them, um, Rephaim, Nephilim are up here, but all these other ones, but they did have children. Uh, Deuteronomy 2 and 3 is the best uh, location for this, uh, for the other ones that God had annihilated. But there were tribes of them. How they reproduced, I would say the same thing. I have no problem. They're not human, no problem. But how they reproduced, not sure. Now, what we, I would say this. Oftentimes, when you see an image of a Nephilim, it's often this giant guy that's foaming at the mouth that is very uh aggressive and, and violent and but if you look at uh, uh goliath as an example he's a very intelligent guy mm-hmm. he's having a conversation um, obviously he's a warrior he's tall he's but... tall and he's operating obviously he wasn't this guy that was just uh foaming at the mouth without any level of of of, of rationality he was the champion of the philistines and they, he obviously had some sort of agreement where they, they were able to approach him and use him. So that, to me, these guys are extremely 
I would say I would have no problem thinking them as being extremely brilliant, smart, tacticians, wise, um, able to uh, negotiate. Obviously, he's he's speaking. He's speaking uh, Hebrew or some level of Philistine or and some. He's in Semitic. a physical body. A human, he's in a physical a, a body. Human-looking body. Yep. And it doesn't shouldn't surprise us that he's intelligent or that they're intelligent because they have angelic blood. And yep. angels are extremely intelligent. Agreed. Uh, they're not subject to some of the same limitations that human beings are physiologically. Um, so uh, to sort of summarize on the, on the Nephilim before we get back to the uh, abductions, um, it's my view that today, 2023, walking around in physical material uh, beings, we, we could still have what, what I would call Nephilim in the sense of they are descendants of Nephilim. Uh, it's also possible, and I know you and I have talked about this off air, or in other contexts, that you could still have other intrusions of fallen angels yep. creating first-generation Nephilim. Yep, that's a great way to say it. Right? Mm -hmm. But either way, uh, you've, you've got these evil entities that are not uh, fallen angels, uh, and they're not demons because they're not just simply spirits. They're, they're Nephilim. Uh, and I believe that's one way that Satan is kind of preparing and the, the, for the Battle of Armageddon, and that's the premise of my two-volume series, Spirit of the Antichrist, is that we're seeing in this age an upsurge in paranormal, demonic-type activity precisely because the stage is being set, you know, for all of that. Um, now, you know, if, if we think about the, the uh, back to the original question, could these, if we assume for the sake of argument that these bodies of these grays, as they're often called, it, do exist, um, again, the, the, the narrative, the official narrative uh, from a non-biblical view is these are just dead aliens, right? But we're not necessarily saying that, although you leave open that possibility, mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, but there's no sense in your mind in which these could be Nephilim because they don't, they don't first of all, they're short, right? Uh, the, they the, couldn't be Nephilim. So, so the uh, the it's possible. L let me add another angle here as it relates to the Greys uh, being physical, because uh, they are. So, the one of the things that I find interesting is the the theory. It's a theory that back before the flood, when a lot of this happened, or even right after, the 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 genetics of humanity was far better. We know that today that the, uh, there's a John, Dr. John Sanford wrote a book called Genetic Entropy. If, he, if people haven't read it, you need to read that because he's a Christian and he's recognizing that the even right now that the human genome is is in is is just a few generations away from almost complete um, destruction, uh, deleterious uh, mutations, etc. And he's like, man, because they're, they're building up. And so if you go back to before the flood, obviously there was less mutations and the genome was much stronger. That's why we're getting weaker and weaker. Now we have medicine that's helping us today. But for the most part, if we didn't have modern medicine, we're so contaminated with uh, cancers and everything else. And of course, now as people are, are having children, I, I, I see it more and more, all these problems, hay fever. I mean, again, when I was a kid, I don't know what the reason is, but when I was a kid, um, there were no peanut allergies. I mean, I mean, really nowhere. And then yeah. now you see it's like there's an allergy of everything. So what's going on? So what I would imagine is if an angel was to come down and to mate with modern human woman with a very weakened genetic state, uh, it's like 
we can't get a giant anymore because the genetics uh, that they're working with with a human is so bad that maybe you come out with a three foot four. And that's that's where I was going. So could be. Yeah. I said, and I'm so glad to have at least someone who I highly respect who studied this way more than I have, you know, come to the same potential potential option because I thought the same thing is that you know, these could be Nephilim, but then I start thinking, well, they don't fit the biblical model of the ancient Nephilim, yeah. but okay, well, we're dealing with different people involved today. Yeah. So maybe it's a, uh, just a, you know, it's kind of like when you have cats that breed and inbreed and inbreed, and all of a sudden you get a deformed looking cat. Well, you could have a deformed looking Nephilim, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's an option. Which, which is, could be why they are seeking so much when they do abductions. It's so reproductive. They're yeah. trying to somehow perfect um, what has gone wrong, uh, trying to somehow get... That's why, if you go back to some of the conspiracy theories, which are, are fun, that when uh, the United States invaded Iraq, uh, they immediately went into the museum and they were looking for... Uh, the story goes, they were looking for giants and genetic DNA because here you have a physical be a physical creature with its DNA, you know, ancient DNA. I mean, it, we're involved with ancient DNA all the time. You can pull out genetic material. And so are they, they're trying to make the super soldier and recognize that's one theory. But nevertheless, I find it interesting that there's some consistency there between are the greys who are so interested in trying to perfect something I mean, this is an over and over. It's been going on for years and years and decades and decades, but it's all reproductive. Jacobson in his book, Hybrids Among Us, or Walking Among Us, his talking about an army, he thinks that's exactly what they're doing, is they're creating an army that are so unable uh, to discern between uh, a human, you could be talking to one, you wouldn't know it. Right. So talking about an army at the last moment, that their whole goal, and you see them, at least in that movement, the abduction movement, that they're training them that the the supposed hybrids whatever are trying to they're trying to be trained from humans about how to act how to speak certain things the mannerisms so they can act more like human to be undiscovered yeah so uh, they take them on board these ships correct. or wherever, wherever. It is, another dimension uh and they're experimenting with them uh uh, I was fascinated to hear you bring up something that I've come across as well, but you don't hear it talked about much, and that is uh, the abductions deal with all levels, children, women, yep. men, you name it. But there, there's a whole subclass of that of pregnant women that were abducted, and then they're no longer pregnant. Yep. And so, uh, and doctors know yeah. this. They'll like, yeah. we have records of your pregnancy. We have tests. We yeah. have even ultrasounds. And all of a sudden, boom, they come back, and and the, the doctors are quiet about it. Yeah. Because it, it, it's absolutely mysterious. They're like, we have no idea. There's no record of like uh, of a, there's no DNC that's needed. There's no uh, there's no record of any. Um, uh, of the womb, of, of, of like a termination yeah. or a, a placenta. Placenta, or, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's fascinating. Well, obviously, this is a subject that we could talk a lot more about, and I, and I look forward to dialoguing with you more about it as we try to just, again, say, what does the Bible say? How, what are the possibilities? What does the Bible preclude? But the big picture that I want our audience uh, to understand, and I know you resonate with this, is that we are getting ever closer to the climactic conclusion of God's plan the of the game, ages, yeah. the end times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, scripture clearly indicates that there will be an upsurge, as I've documented in, in my uh, Spirit of the Antichrist books, of paranormal, phenomenalistic, UFO, whatever you want to call it, type activity. And it just reminds us that fundamentally the battle, as uh, Gary and I were talking about earlier when we were recording, is a spiritual one. Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So 
We need to we need to stop uh, hastily dismissing, as you said, as conservative Christians and theologians for generations did, just hastily, you know, dismiss. Oh, that couldn't possibly be. Yep. These people are all making stuff up. We need to be a little more critical, analytical about it, and say, you know, how could this be playing a role? Because uh, there are just too many stories out there, and it's going to confront all of us. You know, if the Lord tarries is coming eventually with the, the merging of, uh, you know, the, or the blurring of this distinction between man and spirit, you know. You know, there's an interesting, um, there's an interesting verse, and it's in Isaiah 13, verse 3, in the Septuagint. And it only appears in the Septuagint, because in the, in the Hebrew, it uses the word gibberine, which we know is, appears in Genesis 6, 4. But in the Septuagint, they translated that as, in, in the last days, that God would release giants, uh, gigantas in the Greek, and he would release the giants in the last days as instruments of, of punishment on the wicked. Hmm. It's it's really interesting phrase. Gibberim is mighty, right? Gibberim is just mighty. It's a yeah. mighty one, you know. Yeah. It's a mighty one. But they in 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 that passage in in in, in the Septuagint they translated it as giants, which is how we get it in English. Yeah. But we know that Gibberim doesn't always refer to giants. But in that particular uh, passage in Isaiah thirteen verse three, it does refer it to uh, gigantus in the Greek. So literally reading, you'd be like, huh. Um, in the end. The giants will be used, and in, in, in Hebrew, or maybe in English, go ahead and read it. What does it say? In, in, in English. English, New King James, I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, those who rejoice in my exaltation. And this is you know, leading up to the tribulation. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a tribulation passage. It's, mm-hmm. and, and so the word mighty ones there is gibbering, but in the Greek... It's my giants, and and it's the sanctified ones. It's not necessarily uh, that's not necessarily a, a great uh, translation of it, you know, in one sense. But it's it's talking about who who are they're exulting in wickedness. That's really the literal uh, translation of it. So it's fascinating to look at some of these passages, which to me is that in a that these guys are coming out in a very literal physical way. I think it also could be a connection with Revelation 9 that these spirits are released out of the abyss, mm-hmm. which to me are also Rephaim that are in the underworld, which originally were giants, originally so so you have some consistency there between this passage and Revelation 9 and even Genesis 6. Yeah, uh, the Hebrew there sanctified is just, you know, set apart mm-hmm. ones. Do you, uh, can you pull up the uh, Septuagint? Uh, I can, but not easily. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it would take me actually. Yeah, I, I thought I had a shortcut to it here, but I don't. Um, but yeah, just fascinating stuff. It's something that really has been, you know, uh, lurking, you know, beneath the surface of my studies the last 16 years, as I understand more about the, the types of, uh, you know, reality that are, that are going on all around us. So, but big picture, we want to remind people that obviously greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We never yes. need fear these evil spirits. I talked a lot about uh, cryptids last week or a couple of weeks ago on Prophecy Night and some of the other manifestations, you know. Uh, interesting that while we do appear to have uh, bodies of greys, for example, we don't have bodies of Bigfoot. No. That's interesting. We claim, some people will claim to have hair. Yeah, um, and which was something—it's a physical phenomenon, obviously. Or, 
uh, feet, you know, the footprints themselves, which I think are very legitimate. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, but I, I do agree. Why, why is it that the body, uh, or a body's never been shot or, or recovered in the same way? The, the grays are very difficult, obviously, <laughs> but Bigfoot seems the anecdotal evidence for Bigfoot is, is, it's unlimited. Oh yeah. No I doubt. mean, I mean yeah. no doubt. I mean, people say, do you believe in Bigfoot? Absolutely. Uh, never seen one, but I, I pastored in Washington state, which was the, is Bigfoot country. Big hot spot, I mean, yeah. it's, it's right there. And People in the church are like, oh, I've, I've seen Biggie. That's yeah. one guy I called we, him. <laughs> we went to uh, one of the top uh, Bigfoot museums uh, in Blue Ridge. Uh, was it Blue Ridge? Georgia. Georgia, yeah. Uh, right there in the, in the uh, Blue Ridge Mountain mm-hmm. region, North Carolina, Georgia, and so forth. Um, Tennessee. Fascinating. Yeah, there's all kinds of just historical uh, stuff. But so in that case, and I don't want to launch a whole other discussion, but just, you know, off the top of your head. So th- these would be potentially just fallen angels manifesting that can shapeshift right back out? You know, it's, it, it would seem to be that's the case because uh, when you think about them disappearing in, in moments or, but they're, but they're also, I mean, the, their physical uh, attributes as well as their physical capabilities, you see them launching up over, you know, gigantic steps, not just steps, but strides, mm-hmm. cl- climbing up mountains so fast, uh, leaving physical elements, breaking trees, creating little homes. I, I, it makes me, I, I don't know if I would just... I might put them a little, uh, a little bit more permanent than just a singular manifestation because I don't picture a fallen angel manifesting as a as a Bigfoot, needing a house to live in. But when you go into the forest and you can see, uh, they make these little shacks. They make these little uh, home, not little, but they make these homes of, of trees, especially in the Northwest. Oh, yeah. So I can't imagine a fallen angel going, well, I'm going to go live in that. Uh, I, what, I mean, whatever that means, I don't know, but it seems to be a little bit more permanent or some other kind of being that we're not aware of. Could it be a modern day uh, Nephilim that is now out there that has been um, uh, it, it's some different level of species of a Nephilim? I mean, yeah, but still, if it is, then based on the working theory we have of the greys, if someone shot one and there have been tons of attempts, you'd have a body, well, it yeah. seems like. But you don't yep. know. You we don't, don't know. Yep. I, I but, wish... People, as far as I know, I haven't seen people say, maybe you have in your studies, that, hey, I shot one and it disappeared. Uh, have you seen that? Uh, I've had, there, there's plenty of evidence of people shooting one, not that it disappeared, but it didn't kill it. Or it didn't kill it. went through it, and then obviously later it went to, it disappeared. It ran off. It ran off, right. see? So the idea of uh, there still could be, uh, did it actually die or did it die somewhere else? But people say, oh, you know what, if there was, there'd be so many... Uh, bodies out there but uh, i mean how I, i've done a lot of hunting you know and um i don't come across uh, very often like a bear mm-hmm. a, a body of a bear that's died by old age or whatever um you just don't see that very yeah. often interesting yeah i mean and by the way people i know because i've gotten emails from people you know bigfoot is still one of those categories that sort of presses the envelope a little bit and i would just encourage people look do the research do the re- <laughs> don't don't just dismiss it because just because you've never heard of it or never mm-hmm. thought about it doesn't mean it's not true and, and that's one of the working principles that i've you know focused on for the last 16 years is stuff that i would never have looked into or read or, or, or examined but once i realized you know how much we've been lied to from mm-hmm. official narratives it's like anything's on the table doesn't mean i'm gobbling it all up agree we don't be synchro i don't believe all of it but the the similarities where you have like again in 2017 you have this uh, navy pilot coming out saying this oh, yeah. is what i saw but in the bigfoot realm you have a local sheriff 
Who's got credibility? Yeah. He, oh, he's yeah. grown up in the country. He's, you know, or you have forest rangers who know what a bear footprint yeah. is or know what a bear looks like. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Don't, don't insult me. Yeah. I mean, these guys have every reason never to say anything. But they're like, I'm, I'll tell you what I saw. Yeah, and the reason I included a section of that in my paranormal chapter of Volume 2 was not because I'm out there championing the whole Bigfoot cause. I'm just saying here's another example of a paranormal manifestation of some kind. Don't claim to have it figured out. Yep. Don't understand it all, but it's real. And, you know, you, you, need to, you need to think through it. So, I mean, one last thing I would say, going back to our discussion of fallen angels and, and manifesting in a corporeal uh, type of body, you know, you mentioned Hebrews 13 too. You know, that person that helped you change your flat tire could very well have been an angel. And, and you know, you, know, you may never know, but if, if you... It could know for sure in the moment, and you chopped off their arm, it would bleed, right? I mean, they're, they're in a physical body. And in the same yep. way that the physical fallen evil angels that came down and, uh, by the way, do you believe they were uh, raping these women? I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think that uh, not at all, because, um, okay, I'll, let, let's, just, let's just be practical. So uh, as a father... You know, you think about ancient times. I'm a dad, three daughters, and you're you're looking for suitors. And uh, I imagine this this beautiful young man showing up, and the daughter's like, "Boy, he is gorgeous." Yeah, and he's tall. My it, grandkids will be NBA yes. Players. Look at that yeah. guy. Wow. And yeah. you know, looking at him, going, "Yeah, dad." And and and, and uh, I'm in. And so the the he shows up beautiful, and he's talking to dad, and he says, "Look, hey, look." You know, I want the beautiful daughter, whatever, yeah. but I'll give you this. I'll give you technology. I'll give you knowledge. I'll give you all the things that, that are forbidden. You just give me your daughter. That's the bride price. And she's like, I'm in. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, do, we sometimes we frame it and it's like, not at all. Yeah. So either. Yeah. I think you're that you make a good point. It certainly wasn't a physical, you know, forced attack or anything like mm -hmm. that. But clearly they came down here with an agenda. With an agenda. And so Evil, they, wicked yeah, agenda. Yeah, and they yeah. and they sold them. And yeah. we, from the book of Enoch, again, not scripture, but it talks about the, the, the giving of knowledge. I find it interesting, not, not, it's very consistent. The Bible's beautiful. That in, whether it's Jude or Second Peter, uh, you think about, what, what, in, in one word, what, what are, test question, what is Jude and Second Peter about? False doctrine. False, false teachers, yeah, right? Yeah. So you think, why in the world would Peter and Jude, in the context of false teachers, all of a sudden whip out angels? <laughs> and you go, well, that's sure interesting because they were teachers. They were teaching forbidden knowledge, which is consistent with Enoch. And if you look at that, what if you look at the, the, the phraseology, darkness, chains, fire, eternal, Tartarus, uh, of whether it's Second Peter or Jude, all that comes directly out of the book of Enoch. So they're reading the book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. They're using that, that language, that, uh, that, um, that terminology and that, the, the imagery. But also in the entire book of Enoch is teaching. So they're totally drawing from that text in a context of false teachers bringing up angels. So I think when you take the fallen angels who are coming down offering forbidden knowledge to somebody, and they could be rich, they could be wealthy, they could use that to make weapons, or they could use it for, for again, for astrology, for herbs, all these other things. The dad sold out yeah. and offered up what he had, which was a beautiful daughter. Yeah, no, I think that that makes perfect sense. And it does comport with some of the extra biblical mm -hmm. literature and, and, and options. But, but yeah, so my point was uh, just that, obviously, 
Because it's funny to me that people will believe as they should in the biblical narrative of Genesis 6 and the fact that these fallen angels took on human form and cohabited with women, which means they, and, and who bore them children. Yes. Uh, so therefore they had to have all the physical parts, you know, appertaining there yes. to, to use yep. an academic yep. term. So they have no problem with that in some cases, but yet they have trouble thinking that, you know, a Bigfoot could leave hair behind or yep. that, you know, uh, uh, an alien could leave, you know, footprints mm -hmm. or, you know. So clearly that's why, that was what I meant by saying, if you met this angel, Ed, you might not know it's an angel, but if you poke it, it's, you're going to, you're going to hit. Yeah. Yeah. Could, yeah. Right. You can even probably pull a hair off if right? they let you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fascinating again. We'll have to do it again. I know your time is very valuable. So thanks for, uh, for taking the last uh, 45 minutes here to talk about it. Uh, Mondo Gonzalez, prophecywatchers.com. And, uh, my name is JB with not by works ministries. Uh, hopefully this has given you some food for thought as always run everything you hear through the grid of scripture, study it for yourself, do your research, uh, and uh, just recognize that we are living in some pretty amazing times. Right, Mondo? Agreed. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless you, everyone. We'll see you next time.